Jim Gaffigan, thank you very much for joining us here at Lawrence.com. It is an honor, sir. No, what? No, the honor is all ours. No, it's mine. <laughs> but you will be embarking on the road for the Beyond the Pale tour, and we'll be in Lawrence on January 27th at the Leeds Center. Have you ever been to Lawrence before? I don't think I have. Ever been to Kansas? I have been to Kansas. I did Kansas State uh, a couple years ago. Ah. And what were your impressions of Kansas? Um, gosh, I don't know. It seemed like, you know, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, so um, definitely uh, different, but it seemed very familiar. It's yeah, the, no, I, it seems that you'd be that. right at home. It's like um, Kansas, if possible, seems to be even whiter than Indiana. Well, you know there is that factor. And, <laughs> you know, I did. You know, I did. I did a show in Kansas City, which I know that that technically is in Missouri. There is Kansas City, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And when we were driving to the airport, um, there I did see a tornado. Tornado. Oh. Well, really? But, you know, it wasn't kind of like I'd never seen one before. I kind of grew up where there were tornadoes. So. <laughs> well, that is a uniquely uh, Kansas experience. But as you mentioned, you were born and raised in Indiana. How has being from the Midwest influenced your stand-up persona and your material? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I'm not conscious of it necessarily influencing, but... I mean, you are a product of your environment, and I did grow up in, um, you know, uh, you know, my point of view is uh, shaped by from where I am, or where I'm from. So I do feel like, you know, I am very Midwestern. You know, I'm, I live in New York. I've lived in New York for 15 years, and I'm still treated like a tourist. <laughs> so it's it's not um, a measure of you know, not being aware of my Midwestern roots. And I and I do feel like, uh, you know, my sensibility is definitely affected by it. You know, I uh, my, my stand-up is very kind of, uh, I, I, I like that it appeals to a lot, uh, a broad section of audiences, and, and it doesn't really exclude anybody. It's not um, partisan, if you will, you know, right. it kind of is, is uh, you know, I hope, you know, the intention is to make people laugh and and not, uh, you know, I don't have, like, some specific agenda, you mm-hmm. know, or, or some complaint or anything. Speaking about your sort of, your broader base appeal and uh, going for that more universal appeal, I've uh, read an interview with you in the past where you've uh, sort of drawn a contrast between yourself and a comedian like, say, David Cross, who is definitely more of a provocateur in his uh, yeah. stand-up persona. And uh, you seem to find humor in the mundane rather than the controversial, and brilliantly so, I might add. Oh, thank you. Do you think that that's, that sort of approach, is it conscious, or is that just your personality? Yeah, well, I mean, that being said, I think that it's, um, I think that it is a lot of personality. I think that... You know, there's so many different styles of stand-up, and it's, I think people write what they can and, you know, um, what the audience will accept. You know, I'm kind of a doughy white guy, and I feel like if I was up there talking really politically, uh, they wouldn't accept it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and also people get nervous when a blonde guy 
that's very pale starts talking about politics, I think, just because, it's, you know, the Germans kind of messed that up, I suppose. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, so comics definitely do what they, what they can. You know what I mean? Uh, they're, you know, the styles, you know, people start off doing stand-up, and they sometimes end up completely different from how they start off, you know, um, you know, when they're finding their voice or their point of view. But, you know, that being said, you know, I, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I think also comics write what they um, feel passionate about and write what they think is funny themselves. So, um, you know, the stuff I write is stuff that I think is funny, and I'm sure, you know, what David writes is definitely stuff that he thinks is funny. And, you know, by the way, David Cross is brilliant. Yes. You know, he's very funny. Yes. It's just, you know, um, it's kind of a different thing, but that's why I always find it amazing when people say, like, oh, you comedians are all the same. It's kind of like saying that, you know, Aerosmith and, you know, Modest Mouse are the same. You know, it's... <laughs> It's a little bit of generalization. It's, it's a bit you know? of uh, comedic bigotry, I think. So yes, it is. Prejudice. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take on the system. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no. but, yeah, you mentioned writing about what you're passionate about and doing a comedy about what you know. And uh, much of your routine, especially in Beyond the Pale, seems to revolve around food. Um, yeah. yeah. Food seems to trump all other topics in your set. Even religion, although you do do some very funny religious bits, um, it, do you consider food to be your religion? It's a very interesting point. Um, well, there's different there's different uh, kind of phases you go through as a comedian and a writer, and you know, my first album was uh, far more autobiographical, or at least that's what people say, and. You know, you're finding new topics and topics that haven't been mined to death. And so, um, you know, I think that food was definitely an, uh, an obsession. It's like I find, you know, there, there's things that I'm passionate about, and then I kind of obsess on it, you know. It's like whether it be cake or Hot Pockets, I kind of sit there and I go, all right, well, let's see if I can, I want to find every possible cake point of view. You know what I mean? <laughs> Or, you know, and now I'm kind of, you know, my newer stuff that I've been working on since I did this special is much more about, um, you know, me being lazy and not wanting to do anything, you know. <laughs> so it's like, all right, now what is great about breakfast in bed, you know, or what is great about sleeping in, you know. I mean, I'm not dealing with, like, you know, tr profoundly important topics, but... I kind of like the challenge, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know if people have done material on, you know, I think there's a challenge to making, you know, if you're going to have some jokes on recycling, making them funny, because as a topic, they're not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. And again, it goes back to um, you sort of tackling those mundane things. Yeah. And, um, you, and again, you do it very well. And you did mention this. Hot Pockets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you, you've almost become synonymous with Hot Pockets. It's become almost your signature bit, at least from this last special. And uh, everyone yeah. I, I speak to about you always brings up Hot Pockets. Is this a blessing or a curse? Well, you know, for me, it's definitely a blessing. Um, you know, if I'm, 
if I'm 60 and they're still only talking about hot pockets, then it would probably be a curse. But <laughs> you know, a, you know, as a comedian, you know, I mean, I've been around for 15 years, so if people are coming to see my show and they want to hear the hot pocket joke or the manatee joke, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm grateful that they're coming. You know, so. Um, but then again, you know, the Hot Pocket thing, it's, they keep introducing new products. So it's like what I do now is a Hot Pocket chunk is different from the special. And, you know, the Hot Pocket joke I've had for a couple of years, but if you looked at it from like four years ago, it's kind of different. It's very different from what I do today. It's There's certain bits that, you know, somehow I'm like, I don't even know where that one would fit in now, mm-hmm. you know. When I kind of can stretch the chunk or whatever. <laughs> Have you ever been contacted by anyone at Hot Pockets Incorporated? I have. Um, really? And email. what did they have to say? Oh, by email? What did they have to say? Yeah. Well, they love it, but huh? it is. I mean, I think that Hot Pockets, they know that they're not, you know, producing caviar. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they, you know, I, I personally think that they should they should be like one of the sponsors of the tour. Yes, Because, sure. I mean, I know that there's always like, you know, probably 15 people that bring Hot Pocket boxes to my show, and <laughs> I sign them afterwards, but, which is just kind of like a funny, obviously it's a funny inside joke, you know, with the people, but, right. you know, I don't think that, you know, I don't think the Hot Pockets thing, you know, it's, it's not... It's not food that you're going to have, even though I did receive an email that that was somebody's last meal when they're on death row. Really? But, you know, it's not something that you're going to have, you know, when you're on your wedding night. Maybe you will. I don't know. You know, it's it's not like I'm criticizing. uh, And and it would seem odd that they would, like, be flattered by this because, I mean, And you're not overtly criticizing them, but uh, you have basically labeled it uh, crappy meat stuffed in a (laughs) Pop-Tart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's what it is, though. And I think that Hot Pockets kind of knows that, though. Mm -hmm. They know that it's not filet, you know? (laughs) Do you ever, in moments of weakness, still eat Hot Pockets? Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, And, you know, I'm not... um, you know, but then again, I also eat uh, a Cinnabon here and there, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I'm not under the belief that I'm eating something that's good for me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, aside from stand-up, you have many other projects, uh, acting in film and on TV, and uh, one of my personal favorites, appearing in cartoon form with laser shooting out of your nipples in the online Pale Force series. Yeah. How did working on Pale Force with Conan O'Brien come about? Well, it, it kind of stemmed from, you know, I had done the show uh, about a dozen times, and there had been kind of this ongoing pale-off, if you will, where uh, Conan would talk about me being as pale as him or paler than him. And, um, and my brother-in-law, Paul Knows, who's a cartoonist at The New Yorker, mm. uh, came up with this idea for Pale Force, and, um, you know, we worked on the script, and then we, uh, you know, submitted it, and which is very rare for them, for a show like that, to take submissions, particularly when it's such a well-written show. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
but they kind of let us do it, and it's not really cheap to do it, but they, they let us, and uh, and it, it kind of has had a bit of a snowball effect. It's, it's gotten to the point where... Um, it's it's something fun to do. It's it's not you know it's not like a big money maker or anything like that. But it is pretty. It's you know it's a great creative outlet and uh, it's it, you know it's weird. You know animation is uh, it's not an easy process. You know? And and you're actually uh, on top of writing it and doing most of the voices. Uh, do do you help with the production of the animation yourself? No, no. I well I. You know, I write them with Paul, and uh, and you know, he does the animation. We have animators that do it, and uh, you know, but it's you know, it's weird because you know, it is Jim Gaffigan. You know, obviously a delusional version of me. Right. So when your name's attached, you have a great interest in it being good. So uh, it is one of those uh, things where. You know, I definitely have my hand very, uh, very strongly in there. You know, writing is uh, the major part, and then I do all the voices. And again, uh, much success with that. Uh, and speaking of your uh, television appearances, you have appeared in three of the Law & Order series, playing different yeah. characters on each one. Uh, yeah. Do you get some sort of trophy for that? Or maybe an autographed headshot of Dick Wolf or something? Yeah, I wish. You know, by the way, I think we're going to do a Pale Force uh, Law & Order. <laughs> just because I'm so obsessed with Law & Order. I just, I, you know, I watched one last night. It's like I literally watched one before I go to bed. <laughs> Um, it's like warm milk at night, sort of. Yeah, thing. it is. It soothes you. Man, what he does the maximum. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, you know, Law and Order is you know, it's this amazing franchise, and um, but it is you know, it is kind of like a a staple of the New York actor to appear on Law and Order, just as like for a comedian, it's great to uh, be on Letterman or Conan, you know, it's kind of like it's know, a it's rite of passage, uh, an initiation yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a rite of passage but also it's kind of something that you know you know, there's confirmation that you really are a actor if you've been on Law and Order, you know, some people would disagree but, you know <laughs> Um, and just to be a completist, uh, do you plan to appear on the courtroom documentary version of Law and Order as maybe an actual sex offender or something? I well, I don't have plans or, or really uh, no. But the Law and Order, I didn't get to be on trial by jury though, which was oh, that's right, that that short-lived fun. one, yeah. yeah. No, still would have been fun. Yeah, three out of five ain't bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you plan to conquer the uh, CSI universe next? I, you know, well, that's out of L.A., and um, there's also, you know, the acting world is so weird because the entertainment industry is such a perception game. You know, it's like, I mean, I just want to work, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, my agents and managers are like, hmm, well, only if they'll use you as a lead, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of that, and um, you have a fairly prominent role in the current TBS series, My Boys, um, as a character who hates that he's married. Um, does this piss off your real wife? No, no, not at all. Well, first of all, um, 
Well, because he knows that it's not true. But also because my real wife plays my wife on that show in the uh, last episode. Oh. So there is some uh, uh, appeal there. <laughs> but it's also my wife, you know, being an actor and a writer, and, you know, she's really, you know, truly my partner in all aspects of my life. I mean, she produced my uh, my comedy special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that... Um, you know, as an actor, it's like the more flaws you have uh, as an actor, being a guy who doesn't want to be married, the more interesting your character is. So it ends up. But it is a good thing that she understands that. <laughs> that could be taken the wrong way by some. Um, yeah. Do you, speaking of some of your other projects, uh, do you think you get recognized more from the Sierra Mist commercials or from your appearance in Super Troopers as the victim of the meow gag? You know, I uh, it's yeah, that's interesting because it is kind of like the uh, I used to always, you know, it's weird being recognized because I am kind of like some uh, someone that if you happen to know who I am, you would you might not know my name. But you you might recognize me because I'm kind of an odd looking guy, I suppose. <laughs> but um, you know, it used to be there's the meow guy, or there's the Sierra Mist guy, or people would just say hot pocket to me, and I'm like, hey, hot pocket. You know, you know, I never know how to respond to that. Like, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> but now they're you know the the interesting thing is is now they're starting to know my name, which is interesting, hmm. you know, not a lot of people, but, you know, the people that, you know, it might just be like, are you the meow guy, <laughs> you know, or are you the manatee guy, or the, you know, the, the uh, pattern guy, right. you know? And, um, are you still getting confused with Philip Seymour Hoffman? You know, it hasn't happened in a while, mm-hmm. it, you know, but it definitely has happened, uh, uh, enough to, you know, be something that's pretty ironic, you know. <laughs> um, but no, you know what? Actually, it, it did happen once over Christmas. It did totally happen. See, it's I, funny I, because I always think sometimes think people are messing with me <laughs> because they, you know, if they know that I've been compared to them, so they kind of do it as a gag. Right. They're like, you were great in Capote. Ha ha ha. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he probably gets uh, Are You Jim Gaffigan quite a bit, too. Uh, I don't know about that. Nah, I imagine so. You're both high-caliber actors, so. Oh, thank Why not? Um, and speaking of your acting, Chops, um, you've done some very well-received work in dramatic independent films like uh, Stephanie Daly and The Great New Wonderful over the past few years. Uh, is this something that you want to pursue further in the future? Oh, yeah. No, I love, you know, I, I love acting. It's, uh, it's you know, it's so fun, and it's such a great, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, you have no control over how you're perceived in the industry, really, you know, whether they perceive you as an actor or a comedian, but um, the acting thing is, uh, you know, I just, I love, like, you know, working on The Great and Wonderful or, Stephanie Daly, it's just, it's just, and you know, the film stuff, and particularly indie film, it just feels like there's a collaboration and kind of, um, you know, it sounds like all 
cliche BS, but it really is kind of, um, you know, and acting is fun because you're just totally in a character, you know, and there is something strange about, like, when you play a character, eventually people on the set kind of think you're, you are that way. Like, you know, when I was on that 70s show, I played kind of a dumb guy. Mm-hmm. And people who kind of just assumed I was that stupid. They'd be like, <laughs> you got to go over here. And I'm like, I know. I'm just an act. I just play a moron. I'm not an actual moron. <laughs> that, that, again, speaks to your acting ability if people well, are convinced of that. But do you have any more uh, sort of indie fare on the horizon? Well, I did this film called uh, Living Wake, which um, is a really kind of an odd, you know, indie in the tradition of, you know, um, not your obvious kind of film mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but it is, let's just say, it's you don't know what time period it exists in, you don't, there's people singing at times, so it's... You know, we'll see. It'll, it it could be big, or it could just be something that doesn't even get on cable. <laughs> uh, what's the uh, what's the plot of it, real quick? The plot of it is a guy who's um, who's uh, gonna die, and so he has a wait while he's alive, and he goes through town talking to people and gathering them for his his wake, essentially. But the time period is very kind of questionable and confusing. Hmm. And we're all dressed in kind of 1850s kind of era clothes. Interesting. And uh, what character do you play? I play the main character's father. So, um, but, you know, my character has died and then comes back as a ghost a couple times. (laughs) This does sound like an interesting film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look totally. While we're speaking of your film career, uh, you were also in Three Kings, the uh, Gulf War film with George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg. Um, what are some of your memories of working on that film? Well, um, well, you know, we were out there for like six weeks, and then I ended up being in the film for like, I don't know, 60 seconds. <laughs> but I guess what I remember is... Um, comes to mind was like how uh, you know how, you know it's just interesting because there are these huge stars meaning um, Clooney and Wahlberg and Ice Cube and just how kind of like um, kind of everyday they are in a lot of ways but very non everyday meaning Clooney is somebody that is literally um, He's got a, you know, he's kind of somebody that's likable and approachable, almost to the point where you think he's running for senator. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then Mark Wahlberg, a very nice, uh, sweet, quiet guy, but, um, uh, you know, and then Ice Cube, uh, a nice, uh, businessy guy who's, you know, but you know none of the none of the negatives of celebrity with any of those guys. You hmm. know what I mean? But then again, you know, I mean, it's not like I had dinner with them every night or anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Didn't split hot pockets with them or anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Break, I mean, the, if you break. ask them 
who I was, none of them would know who I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just, you know, soldier number 2,500 or something. <laughs> and... Uh, the film, it's one of my favorites, and um, your your part was small but memorable. Uh, but the film is also very uh, overtly political in its comment about the Gulf War, and so, of course, it's very timely now. Um, yeah. Do you think that you would ever work in uh, any projects that were so overtly political in the future, or was that even conscious to you at the time while you were working on it? Well, it was such a different era, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is, you know, that might as well have been a hundred years ago, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not really in a position to um, turn down things that are, um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't do something that promotes racism or anything <laughs> like that. But I, uh, you know, I mean, as an actor, it's like the more weird the character the better the role. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not for pedophilia, but, you know, I played one on Law and Order. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it's, you know, I think actors should kind of get a buy on some of that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so again, you've, you've had a very, very varied film career and television career, but uh, going back to your stand-up, which seems yeah. to be your bread and butter, uh, who do you consider to be your biggest influences in comedy? You know, it's interesting because I would say I would say a big influence for me was obviously Letterman growing up and the sarcastic, sardonic, but I think um, inclusive kind of sarcasm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then I would also say you know the efficiency of my um, writing of my material definitely influenced by David Tell. Because, hmm. you know, the whole notion of having a joke be kind of undeniable, meaning even if people don't like you, they would laugh at the joke. Right. You know, having the joke have all the strength. Um, but then again, um, but also, you know, like lately I've thought, you know, I think that um, uh, Jonathan Winters had a big influence on me, too. Really? Kind of like that really weird kind of, you know, not performance driven, but character driven kind of humor. You know, where it's it's uh, there's a bit of, you know, you know, Jonathan Winters is playing a character, and that's what kind of makes it funny. Yeah, I mean, I I just think he's one of the you know he was so funny, you know, and. It's funny. I don't even know if he's alive right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't hold that against you because I'm not sure either. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I mean, I think I think Brian Regan's a great comedian too. Hmm. So it's like there's a lot of comedians that I think are really funny, but um, influence on me. You know, um, I don't know. I think also you know influence on me in kind of. Um, a reactive way is when I see, um, when I, you know, was doing stand-up and I would see people getting laughs just because they were cursing, you know, made me not want to curse, you know what I mean? Or people that got laughs just from hopping around or, um, using props (laughs) or doing speeches, you know what I mean? I look at, 
there's always kind of like the uh, the comedian that will, you know, because you know I live in New York and you know I go to clubs all the time, and mm. there's always the comedian that does a Conan or Letterman or Tonight Show, and will be kind of like, yeah, I got four applause breaks, <laughs> and you know, in the back of my head, I'm kind of like. That would be great if you were running for senator. But, you know, we're just trying to make people laugh, right? Now, that, that being said, that sounds harsh. Yeah. But no. th- because in reality, TV audiences m- might be more willing to applaud um, just to, to, to communicate that they love the joke. Right. But, you know, uh, you know, laughter is... It just feels like it's so much more involuntary, you know. Like uh, clapping feels like uh, an obligation, a, a duty. Yeah. And I I read an interview uh, where you said that you would go to predominantly uh, African American clubs in your early days. You had a lot of stage fright and anxiety, and you thought the best way to get it beaten out of you would be go to clubs with a predominantly African-American audience where you'd be introduced as the white guy and uh, yeah. just get a very chilly reception. Well, I think it might have been like the, the worst time I ever did stand-up, mm. which was when I you know first started, and you're so desperate for stage time, particularly when I started, it was not... You know, it's kind of after that initial comedy boom of the 80s mm-hmm. where all the comedy clubs were closing. So to go and get a, you know, like they had too many comics, a lot of comedy clubs were closing. So I did this one show in Harlem, and it was a New Jack comedy series. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I went on stage, you know, I was introduced as like, you know, this guy's a white guy, boo. And he's a real white guy, double boo, you know what I mean? And it's like, uh, it was, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, culturally, you know, they, they wanted to see something completely different. But it was kind of like one of those where I've walked through the fire of an audience just not wanting to see me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, they wanted to see something else. They didn't want to see And how far you've come, and you're now on the Beyond the Pale tour. What what sort of material? And you said that you've you've already started differentiating what was on the uh, the Comedy Central special and the album. Uh, Like, what sort of material can we expect to see on uh, this upcoming tour? Well, I mean, I'm trying to uh, deal with the hard hitting issues of uh, you know uh, recycling and. uh, it's like it's weird because if you described my topics, I think it, it would not encourage people to go to the show. Right. But it's um, you know, it's like uh, it's like you know, trying to make the mundane funny. You know what I mean? And uh, it's a lot of you know, just lazy guy kind of stuff. But hopefully, really funny. Mm-hmm. You know. You are speaking with Lawrence.com, and we have a uh, regular feature in which we uh, ask notables, such as yourself, a few questions uh, about their interests, kind of like inside the actor studio, but a little less pretentious. Um, okay. <laughs> what, um, Hello. What? No. <laughs> what are you reading right now? What am I reading? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, what am I reading? Well, I read... Uh, <laughs> it's, like, so bad... <laughs> I would say that I read um, 
I read The Economist last week. I don't know. I mean, the book thing is, uh, it's one of those things where I, I, I gotta get a book, you know? I mean, <laughs> some of it is, I am a really lazy guy, and I have jokes about not wanting to read, but some of it is I have horrible vision. Oh. So, um, but, you know, you know, like, what did I read recently? I mean, I think it probably like was like a David Sedaris book or something like that, you know. And you, I, I, <laughs> you don't have to USA bullshit. Today. You can give an honest you know, answer. You impress people. Uh, USA Today <laughs> <laughs> with my crayons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. But it's so funny, my wife was like, you know, you should have a book when you're on the subway instead of playing Monopoly on your phone. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> um, well, uh, how about this? Uh, what is a book that you maybe recommend everyone read or a book that you have greatly enjoyed in the past? Uh <laughs> Whatever is revealed that I've never read a book in my life. Uh, <laughs> that is an impressive feat, I think. No, I mean, um, Good Night Moon, that was a great book. Uh, and uh, um, The Cat in the Hat, I read that one to my kid. Uh, like, you know, I've read pieces of uh, a lot of books, but, I mean, I don't know, I kind of loved... Uh, Staggeringly long time. I've tackled the book. <laughs> I think of you know. It's like I'm back to you know. I don't know. I went through you know all those Bukowski books and you know Anne Rand and you know. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'm 40 now, and I probably did that in my 20s. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the last book I read. Stuff that you can pick up and put down. Bathroom um, reading sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, stuff that, you know, when you're traveling, it's not the end of the world. But I'm always terrified that if I make a commitment to, you know, a book that I'm not going to create more material, even though I know intellectually that reading only helps your creativity, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I love, like, I do love The Economist. I recommend the magazine. There you go. <laughs> I think that's legitimate. Um, well, here's something. Here's, here's, Us Weekly. Us Weekly. Us or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, well, here's something that might be uh, a bit more up your alley. What are your favorite, your three favorite TV shows? Um, favorite TV shows? I would have to say um, I love Law and Orders. I love um, Real Time with Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. I love uh, I love Meet the Press. <laughs> um, I do. Uh, what else do I love? I mean, I'm kind of a cable news junkie too. Right. I like all that. Because that's just really the same thing as like Us Magazine, really. <laughs> In a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> that's true. But um, what TV, what other TV shows? I mean, I loved The Sopranos when I was on. Some of it is like. You know, there's certain shows that I know that I'm going to love, but I don't want to. I don't want another commitment. You know what I mean? It's I understand. Like, Lost is great, but I don't want to get involved. Yeah, I keep hearing about this Battlestar Galactica, this new series, it's supposed to be fantastic, but I just, yeah, I'm not ready to yeah, like, you're jump like, in. Yeah, you know, when I retire, I'll watch all those 24s. But <laughs> yeah, I got exactly. stuff to do. 
I know. It's, you know, like that that Tombstone show. What's that one? Oh, Deadwood. That one? Deadwood. That's supposed to be amazing. It's and awesome. Like, I can fully recommend that one. And The Wire is supposed to be amazing too. But I'm like, eh, you know, I can't. You know, I I got two kids. And, you know, <laughs> Law and Order. You know, you know, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I got to work on my DVR. That's what I got to do. <laughs> Tivo the crap out of that stuff. Yeah. Um. You mentioned uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. Have you ever been on there? No, I haven't. And I, you know, it's interesting. My agent brought it up because there was some call from, like, one of the producers of that, that works on that show. And he was like, yeah, I said you should go on that show. But there's part of me that's like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's entertaining to me, but I also feel like, you know, I am kind of, I'm a very, you know, I have strong opinions, but I don't know if, you know, I'm not... In, I always feel like when people are really outspoken on stuff like that, first of all, I, you know, I kind of feel like, well, do you, you know, I think, do they know everything? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I don't want to look like a jerk, you know? <laughs> Essentially, I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> I am scared. <laughs> to lay it out on the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I'm sure you'd probably fare better on that show than some of the other celebrities that I've seen on there. Yeah, no, it is just amazing. They get some they get some really flaky people on there and I don't even know yeah, why they're on there. You just sit there and you go, You're not helping the perception of Hollywood at all. <laughs> yeah, it, you, you don't really care um what Carson Daly has to say about peace in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. All right. What are five albums that you're either listening to right now or are your favorites, and it could be comedy or music? Um, okay. I would say um, I got that new Killers. Mm-hmm. I downloaded that Killers album. I think it's Sam's Town. Yep. Um, I like, of course, now I'm standing in front of books. Um, <laughs> uh, what other albums do I have? You know, it's like a parent of a newborn. It's like some of the stuff that I've downloaded recently is like Sleeping Beauty soundtrack and uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, <laughs> I'm going to purchase music so I can remember what I like. <laughs> I like uh, I like Tom Waits. I think I think any Eddie Izzard album is worth downloading. I love Van Morrison. You know, best of Van Morrison. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also like the, um, I'm trying to think of other things that I like. What do I like? I don't even know. <laughs> Again, um, it could be comedy and not just music. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of some of the comedy albums that I've downloaded. I'm like, oh my God, you're so bad. <laughs> you're a busy guy, it's understandable. Some comedy, it's like you have to be there, mm-hmm. and it's so much funnier. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, I, I like... Um, you know, uh, like Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, some, I, I like Irish folk music. I would say, like, the double in Earth. Oh, okay. Thanks. And then, you know, U2's Lauren Hill, you know, that the, uh, you know, I haven't heard any of her recent ones because I heard that she does, like, 8,000 songs and then doesn't release them. <laughs> Just hoarding them. She'll be like Tupac and start releasing them after she's dead. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, but, you know, I like, you know, like Radiohead and Bob Marley. I don't know. It's, it's 
one of those things. It's like now it appears like I don't read or listen to music. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're a busy guy. It's understandable. Well, I think I think that you've uh, you've met the requirements. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, hey, again, thank you very much, Jim Gaffigan, for joining us here on Lawrence.com. And uh, best of luck with the Beyond the Pale tour, and we look forward to your stop here in Lawrence. Thanks a lot.